The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jake Crumpler. I am your interim host. And as always, I am joined by Pitcherless's bullpen expert, Rick Graham. Rick, how has your last week been going? Uh, it's been going It's been going well. Definitely um, starting to get into a bit of a fantasy football mode, although it's oh, definitely no. I know, I know. I, I hate saying that. I probably shouldn't be saying that here, but... Um, yeah, I wasn't even gonna. I was thinking about not even, you know, doing any leagues this year, but I got suckered into a couple. So, been been dealing with some drafts this week, but um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> I, I like the drafting part, and then after I, I should just play best ball because that's kind. Of, I just like to draft, and then after that, mm-hmm. I really, you know, I just like watching football for fun on Sundays. If, you know, if I if, if I get a chance, but that's about it. Yeah, I don't know. I know nothing about <laughs> football. <laughs> I'm a baseball only guy, some little bit of basketball. I live in the Bay Area, okay, so it's yeah. it's hard not to be a basketball fan, you know, with the Warriors being so good and all. But this is a uh, bullpen podcast. <laughs> this, yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You're in Boston. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was such a touchy that. subject. <laughs> we have not. Um, oh, all right. Well, let's stick to baseball then. <laughs> we'll remain friends. Um, yeah. Let's... Uh, well, this is a bullpen podcast, so as always, we're talking about relievers, we're talking about arm barns, we're talking about relief cores, and as always, we start our podcast off by covering your article, Closing Time, which covers the top 30 closers in all of baseball, and we always begin things by covering the three pitchers that are moving up your list, as well as the three guys that are moving down. The three guys you've got moving up this week are Brandon Hughes of the Chicago Cubs, Jimmy Herget of the Los Angeles Angels, and Nick Martinez of the San Diego Padres. Brandon Hughes is uh, looking pretty interesting, but there does seem to be some questions around whether or not he is the secure closer there, considering Rowan Wick literally just got a save last night so why why is Hughes moving up this week I know you put out that that list before Wick got that save so let's hear your reasoning yeah it definitely wasn't expecting uh Wick to get back into the mix especially after he had a pretty pretty tough outing this past weekend um but yeah here <laughs> the just you know teams doing things like this at the end of the year is very frustrating when 
you know, it looked like Hughes was really roll. I mean, he had he had a little bit of a rough outing last week as well, but for the most part, he's been the far better reliever uh, over Wick second half of the year. So, um, I was kind of on yeah when I made this list on Tuesday or Monday Monday night, I was thinking that this was probably Hughes bullpen, you know, from here on out, and the Cubs have a pretty easy schedule for the most part. Um, going forward, so I was, you know, it had been a while since Wick had a save, and yeah, just thinking he would be a top fifteen or to eighteen, you know, closer for the rest of the way. Especially with, I mean, the way he's been pitching, the way he's been getting swings and misses, and just the upside there is so much higher than it is with Wick. Definitely, just you. You can just look at their whips, and then yeah. you know, like Wick's got a one point six whip, and Hughes has a whip below one. So I think it's pretty easy to tell which one is better there. So yeah, I don't know why the, why the Cubs wouldn't use the better reliever in the closer role, but you know, sometimes it'd be like that, and it, it's just hard to figure out. But Hughes does have the majority of the saves <clears throat> over the past couple of weeks, so it'll be interesting to see if Wick starts. Uh, getting in there more often and if it's more of a committee or if Hughes can just run away with it because he's so much better. But um, in Los Angeles, the closer position is becoming a little more clear where Jimmy Herget seems to be running away with it. He's got three saves this past week, all three of the team saves, and it seems like he's the clear cut guy out there. Is that why he's moving up your list this week? Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, I, I like the move for the angels perspective because he has been there their best reliever this year. Um, as, well, as long as he's been healthy, I know he's missed some time and he's not really a prototypical closer. He doesn't get a ton of swings and misses, but he gets weird, you know, swings and, you know, with, he's got that funky delivery he throws mm-hmm. like a little short arm from the side. And I mean, he's been super effective and just getting, yeah, getting ugly swings from hitters and, you know, if the, they brought in Tapera and Loop, and neither one of those guys has really panned out. They haven't been the guy that they thought that they were signing this offseason. So mm-hmm. it looks like her gets the guy for the rest of the season. And, you know, Kahita might mix in too. He's He's been pitching well. He's been pitching well the, se- the second half of the year, and he's mixed into some saves as well. So that's probably the situation for, for the Angels. But it looks like her gets going to be the favorite for, for most of the saves. Mm-hmm. He seems like one of the clearest waiver wire pickups right now to just get you some saves if you're in need mm-hmm. of them. He just seems to have such a clear role compared to all the other guys that still have question marks, even if they're sort of better pitchers than than Herget. In San Diego, Nick Martinez seems to sort of be in the same position where he's taken over the closer role in San Diego, where last week we talked about whether or not it'd be him or Luis Garcia with Josh Hader struggling. And Nick Martinez got three saves in the past week after he pitched back-to-back days. Josh Hader actually snuck in there too. We'll talk mm-hmm. about him a little bit more later. But, I mean, it, it's, it should be pretty obvious why Nick Martinez is moving yeah. up this week. But do you have any um, you know, underlying things that, that sort of helped you consider bumping him up a little more? Um, He's just been, he's been awesome as a reliever this year. And mm-hmm. he was okay as a starter but since he you know out of the bullpen this year he is a you know era at 1.35 whip under one doesn't strike out a ton of guys but i mean as long as those ratios are staying low and he's getting saves on 
a team that's struggling, but you know, the Padres are still, you know, they're in the playoff hunt. They're going to have to grind out every game here. And, and, you know, Martinez should get his, as long as he's closing out games, should get a fair share of uh save opportunities the rest of the way. But yeah, hater getting the save last night or yesterday afternoon wasn't the prettiest thing, but I guess he got it done. And yeah, well, we can, we're going to talk about him again. It seems like it's been a recurring theme on this pod talking about him, but it's, yeah. it's worthwhile when he's, you know, the, the top closer drafted and, um, you know, what's been going on with him lately. Yeah, it's been the year of Josh Hader from mm. the offseason all the way through to September. So now we're going to hit the three relievers that are moving down your ranks this week. And the first one is Jason Adam of the Tampa Bay Rays. And that one sort of surprises me. I mean, obviously, it's the Rays. So they are always going to do their thing in, in switching around the closer role. But Adam has been one of the most effective relievers all season. He has a 1.18 ERA. He hasn't really been getting a lot of saves recently because the bullpen has been being used weird. There hasn't been many save opportunities. Is that why he's moving down this week? Because this one sort of surprised me because he's been so electric all season. Yeah, I would say all three of these guys who moved down, it's basically strictly because of how they've been used lately um that goes i mean i i think adam still has a place you know on standard 12 teamers because he's not going to hurt you and if he adds a save or two a week then you know that's a bonus that helps but it seems like it, it i mean it shouldn't come as a surprise but it's appearing that it's just not we can't count on him to get consistent save chances in tampa bay but um yeah, like I said, I still wouldn't. I wouldn't go, you know, rushing out to drop him necessarily, especially in head-to-head leagues. I mean, if, if you're in, if you're in a roto league where you're, you know, you want to shore up saves and that's all you're really worried about, then you know maybe you look at someone like a Jimmy Herget over Adam. But in head-to-head, I would, I would still hold on to Adam as just a, you know, potential three to four category help. Definitely sticking in the AL, another guy that you mentioned that is, you know, not really getting just saves all the time. And it's, it's partially because of his team. This is Jonathan Hernandez of the Texas Rangers. They really haven't had a save since, you know, last Friday. So it's been about a week or so since they've, they've had a save opportunity for him to lock down. He didn't even get the last one. It was Jose Leclerc mm. who got the save last Friday. So it's it's been pretty questionable what the role is for Hernandez. And it just seems like it just seems like the whole bullpen is a closer committee. It's it, it's very reminiscent of the Rays, not at the same caliber, but that like anybody in the bullpen can get a save on any sort of day. Like, I mean, you can go through the whole bullpen and just read off everybody. Hernandez, Matt Moore, LeClerc, Brock Burke, Brett Martin, all those guys have gotten a save this year other than Brock Burke. And Brock Burke is the best closer is the best reliever in that bullpen. So it's like, yeah, anybody can get a save on any given night. So it's really hard to tell what's going to happen here is, is just that, that the questionability of whether or not he's going to be the one to get a save on any given night. Is that why he's moving down for you? Yeah, you you pretty much nailed it with, you know, just they could roll out really really almost anyone in that bullpen for a save, and it's not really that big of a surprise at this point. Yeah, um, yeah LeClerc got the last save, and I think Matt Moore got the save before that. So, mm-hmm. and then probably Hernandez before that. So they've had three different, you know, relievers getting saves at their last three chances. So I, at one point, you know, I thought he might have a chance. It was looking like he was going to kind of stick in that role, and um 
yeah now i, th- I think now after they let uh, chris woodward go it looks like it's been more of a committee approach so not looking great for that standpoint but still again he, he has he's been pitching well he hasn't really deserved to lose the job so you know he, he's not going to hurt you if, you if you're still rostering him but I, I i don't know if he's going to be getting you know a ton of saves the rest of the way yeah i dropped him in a couple leagues so i'm sort of off it now i'd rather look into other people i'm pretty sure in the pitcher list staff league that i'm a part of i dropped him for brandon hughes so maybe i'll look into hergate as well because he seems to have a more cemented role in his respective bullpen so it'll be interesting to see what happens out there in texas but they they haven't been too hot in the second half to be honest no 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 (laughs) So out in uh, L.A. where the team has been super hot is Evan Phillips, who is moving down your list as well. I wouldn't say it's because of performance. He has a 1.22 ERA. It's just still super muddy out there, murky, murky waters, because Kimbrell is just struggling all season, and it's hard to tell when he's going to get the closer roles back. He The last two saves have not gone to Phillips in games that he has pitched in. Chris Martin got it save a few days ago and jake reed got the most recent one so it's sort of hard to tell what's going on there evan phillips is clearly the most effective reliever in that bullpen but it's really hard to tell what's going on i'm I'm sure that that played into you moving him down this week yeah that's i mean i think the martin save came in extras after kimbrell kind of um got into trouble and then I, yeah, Jake Reed just coming out, coming up from Triple A, right yeah. into a into a save is you know interesting. But um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not because of, this is Phillips moving down. It definitely has nothing to do with his performance because he's been arguably you know the possibly the I'm trying to think of who else. like obviously Edwin Diaz has been good, but he's like he's probably been a top three reliever in the NL you know at least over the second half of the year. Um. He hasn't a lot. He, it's interesting stat I saw on Twitter. Um, he has retired he, as of after after his last outing. He retired. He said he has retired twenty nine batters in a row. So basically, a what perfect game throughout multiple outings. Um, that goes with eight strikeouts as well. So yeah, I mean, he's just been literally unhittable, and no one's been able to get on base against him this month. So. It, it's really I would love I mean he if he was the closer there I mean imagine I, I he would be instantly top 10 I don't like possibly top five and it's just been a crazy story with his rise you know this year from kind of coming from out of nowhere to being this dominant relief for the best team in baseball yeah and dominant might be an understatement he's allowed one earned run in the la- last one earned run in the last three months is a 0.28 since ERA since the start of June, and he even finished off May with a scoreless outing. So, it's uh, the Dodgers really know how to create some amazing baseball players, especially yeah. on the mound. Yeah, they just but, keep churning people out. Yeah, for sure. So that's gonna cover the closing time article for this week. To recap, the three guys moving up that we discussed were Brandon Hughes, Jimmy Herget, and Nick Martinez. Go out and grab those guys if they're on your wire. And the three guys moving down are Jason Adam, Jonathan Hernandez, and Evan Phillips. Most of those guys are moving down because of their questionable roles on the team. Jonathan Hernandez, I think, is the only one that might be worth dropping in in anything shallower than yeah. a fifteen teamer. 
I'd agree with that. Yep. All right. So let's move on to the news of the past week. We've really only got one thing to hit on, but it's sort of it's it's major news for its its it for its for its team for its respective team. The Oakland A's sort of lost the biggest pieces of their bullpen basically Danny Jimenez is out for a season with a right straight right shoulder strain and Zach Jackson hit the 15 day IL with right shoulder inflammation both of those guys have been counted on all season Jimenez had dealt with a, a shoulder injury earlier in the season and he had missed quite a lot of time and then he returned and he looked like he was moving his way back into the closer role and now it seems like it's bothering him again and they're going to shut him down for the rest of the season so that's pretty unfortunate there and Zach Jackson is the major league leader in holds so he's been killing it all year which is I don't know how like a guy on such a bad team leads the league in holds mm-hmm. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense to me uh the guy's 26 holds so he's been he's been killing it I think he's tied with Devin Williams now but um yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty impressive. Oh, he's got more than Devin Williams. Nice. Pretty impressive uh, season for him, but now he's going to be out for at least the next couple of weeks or so. And that basically just leaves AJ Puck out there as the only trusted reliever to get saves. He's the only guy in that bullpen besides Austin Pruitt to have earned a save this season. And Puck has four. So he seems to be the clear-cut closer out there. And it also moves Domingo Acevedo into sort of the setup role slash you know guy who's gonna close out games if it's all righties and the manager isn't comfortable turning to puck do you have any other thoughts on this bullpen no i i would love to see puck yeah have the role for the rest of the year and really interested to see how uh how he performs just you know given that role i, I feel like that might be his future there is i don't i mean i think i mean you you more of an Oakland A's fan is Puck. Puck, he's not going to return to the rotation anytime, right? I, I mean, I feel like that's that ship may have sailed. So his best chance right now is probably to lock up a high leverage, you know, closer or setup role, which he's been pitching well this year. So I think he deserves to to get a chance and and that's in the closer role, especially with you know the other options available. Mm-hmm. I definitely think he he's probably done as a starter. He just yeah. he, he, you got to keep him healthy. He's like a mm-hmm. tall guy, six foot seven, super lanky. Like I, I think just the only way to keep him healthy is using him in short stints. So I think they're going to have to keep him in the bullpen. And it's like it's looking like it's working out pretty well. He's not in the same vein of Josh Hader as in he was like a starter throughout his entire minor league career. He sort of turned into a reliever once he was dealing with a bunch of injuries, and that's sort of helped him stay healthy somewhat and the way that he is similar to josh Hader is that he has long hair (laughs) and is a lefty so yeah uh would love to see the a's get the next josh Hader, but you never know he's been really great this season 2.53 era across 53 and a third innings pitched that comes with a 27 and a half percent strikeout rate so not super dominant on the strikeout department, but definitely serviceable. And he will likely be getting the majority of the saves across the next couple of weeks at the very least. But I think even when Jackson returns, I think he's still going to be the guy there because mm-hmm. it seems like Jackson is just a guy who just walks too many people. And then he also just does so much, but he's been so good in a setup role. You know, like I said, he leads the league in hold. So it seems like he does well pitching that seventh, eighth inning. So I think it should be fine for Puck to hold on to that role for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, closer of the future can do in the season's final month. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that and seeing where he lands next year uh, mm-hmm. in the preseason ranks. 
definitely. So the crux of our show is going to be a sort of prediction, not really predictions, just like we're, we're going to talk about guys that uh, had really good first half and how their first halves and how they're doing in the second half and sort of see what that means for them going forward for the rest of the season, but also into next season, because it, it's always important to check like some some guy has a breakout first half and his numbers like a guy, a guy can have a, a crazy first half where he's got a one ERA and then he finishes the season at 2.50 and you're like, this guy had a breakout season. And it's like, okay, yeah, his first half was really good, but then mm-hmm. he hit regression and everything returned back to normal. If you look at like second half compared to first half, rather than the year end numbers, it's going to be like, whoa, he had a four ERA in the second half and sort of looked like his old self again. So we're going to talk about guys that have been staving off the regression, but also guys that have not been able to do that and are, are sort of, you know, falling down rankings uh, across the past month and, and what that could mean going forward. So we're going to start off by talking about some risers from the second half, guys that performed well in the first half and have kept it going or have just been turning it on in the second half. And we're going to start in Cleveland, where Trevor Steffen has been lights out. He's the strikeout to walk ratio king <laughs> alongside yeah. James Karinchak, who's just a strikeout king he's he's been really good at like he, he's got his control under control which has always been a problem for him in years past especially after the sticky stuff scandal not really scandal mm-hmm. but the, the crackdown but it, it's it's interesting because both of these guys have been really good and they've already got emmanuel class a out there in cleveland so why are they why do you consider them risers right now yeah i mean stefan's been he had a good a great april and mm-hmm. i had him i had like put him way up the holds list and like all right he this is this is like a big breakout candidate and then he, he kind of slowed down for a little bit they started moving away from him and using other relievers and high leverage spots but um second half he's been he's turned it back on and has been one of the better relievers in baseball and i know the whole that whole guardians bullpen has just been pretty lights out this month um that's a big reason why they're looking like the favorites to win the al central but yeah, Stefan, I mean, 18.1% swing and strike rate, uh, ground ball rates over 50%, K rates over 30%. I just, you know, all those numbers just are, you'd love to see it. And then well, <laughs> Karinchek's interesting. I, I, I know, like, the this, this sticky stuff crackdown happened, and all of a sudden, though, his spin rates are back up to where they were before that last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I'm not going to speculate, but <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's been pitching better. His curveball has been getting swings and misses again. And uh, yeah, he's looking like pre sticky stuff. Uh, James Karinchak. And uh, as long as it's working for him and it's working, then he's definitely someone, you know, to keep an eye on for, for uh, that high, the, all those K's and hold potential. It really is a lot of K's. According p- to Pitcher List, his player page says that he has the second highest strikeout rate. It's at 44.6%, <laughs> which is ridiculous. He's just been destroying everybody out there with his fastball curveball combination and it's uh it's been pretty electric to watch. I'm glad to see him get back out there uh despite any, you know, off-field uh, disagreements we might have. Um, <laughs> he's he's great on the field. And uh, as for Stefan, he's been incredible in the second half. He's got a 40% strikeout rate himself, giving him a 33.8% strikeout minus walk rate, which uh, 
is the difference between his strikeout and his walk rate. So he's walking only 6.2% of batters, which is exactly what you want to see. You don't want free passes and you don't want people making contact. And Stefan has been doing that incredibly well this year. It's kind of turned out into a 2.32 ERA with a 1.95 FIP. So pretty impressive from Stefan. Moving on to Seattle, where we have seen a lot of breakout relievers. To be honest, one of the biggest ones is Andres Munoz, who just was incredible in San Diego when he first came up because he threw 103 miles per hour. And then he went through Tommy John surgery, but he's come out the other side looking like just a dominant reliever. And so has Eric Swanson, but sort of in a different fashion in that he's just been getting great results. Do you have uh, any notes about these guys and, and why you feel confident about their seasons? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, it's like another talk about Evan Phillips. What Where would he rank if he was like the closer? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if Andres Munoz was the closer in Seattle, he's easily a top, you know, five or six option with what he's been doing this year. Uh, 41% K rate, um, 22, 22.3% swing and strike rate. Second only behind, I, I'm guessing it's behind Edwin Diaz. He, he kind of reminds me, he, he's he's behind Edwin Diaz in almost every category. So it's like Diaz, him, like in the top three in a lot of categories. So this guy is absolutely electric. And he got off to a slow start. That's why like, when you, when we talked about, you know, second half rises, this is one of the first names that I thought of because, you know, the stuff's always been there. But, you know, coming back from, a you know, a serious injury in Tommy John, I you know, it, he got off to a little bit of a rough start. He had a bad outing in Boston. And I remember thinking, well, maybe like next year is the year for him to kind of, you know, break out. But it was literally like the game after was when he started just dominating the rest of the league. So it's great to see that um, just how, how well he's been pitching this year. Definitely. He's been uh Pretty impressive in the second half as well. A 27 to 5 strikeout to walk ratio with a 145 batting average against. It's come with a 2.81 ERA, which isn't much better than his first half ERA, but he's just, he really just lights up the radar. He's got a 100.1 mile per hour average fastball velocity, and that's not even his primary pitch. His slider, he uses 62% of the time. It's got a 29% swinging strike rate. That is the 12th best among sliders by relievers. So, Definitely a dominant reliever come in there. And Swanson is just, he's got the lowest ERA in baseball, minimum 40 innings pitched. Yeah. And the, like, you know, we, we always talk about like the Rays turning out good relievers, the Brewers, uh, Dodgers, but like, I think the new, yeah, the new like top, you know, team to talk about in regards to um, building and managing relievers and, it's got to be Seattle and it's not even just these two guys it's you know Matt Brash has come up as a reliever he's been awesome uh, they just keep rolling out these guys with nat- just nasty stuff that like you know it, it's really that's it's going to be a team that when they make the, if, if they make the playoffs that's you know they can go five to six innings with their bullpen and kind of just baffle hitters so it, it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out in October Totally agree. I feel like they have been an incredible bullpen and we never really saw this in years past. And so it, it seems like it's a it's a recent phenomenon. Mm. Uh, Swanson has a 0.84 ERA right now. He's the only person <laughs> with a sub one ERA uh, minimum 40 innings pitch. So he's been pretty lights out, if I have to say so myself. I'm pretty sure that's and, a good ERA. And he's not even I mean, 
I don't. Yeah, I guess he's there. He's a top five reliever on that team. But like any other place, he'd be easily like the best reliever. And yeah, you know, he's got Muno, Seawald, um, Diego Castillo. Castillo Diego Castillo's yeah. been pitching well the second half. Yeah, it's 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 really a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of fun that bullpen. Yeah, you can have confidence in in them getting the most out of their relievers. It's uh, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if they can produce like that next year as well. Mm. So sticking in the American League, we're going to talk about Joe Jimenez of the Detroit Tigers, one of your favorites when he was coming up, and he's sort of having his breakout season, and it's looking like he could you know, possibly move into the closer role at some point with Gregory mm. Soto struggling. We'll hit him shortly, but Jimenez is a 3.16 ERA, striking out 34% of batters, and he's just been super solid all year long, and it just seems like he's one of the guys that uh, are going to be pretty interesting to watch going into next year. Yeah, and, you know, he always, when he you know, coming up, we thought he was going to be a high strikeout rate guy, and he never, even when he was struggling, he still wasn't, he wasn't really missing bats like we had expected. And now, we you know, he's got a 34% K rate this year, which, is, you know, puts him 13th among relievers. And, um, yeah, 1.03 whip, like, he's not walking, you know, 5.8% walk rate, so that walk rate's come down. He's really, you know, turned the corner this year and, you know, the Tigers haven't had a lot to, to, you know, be thankful for this season, but their mm-hmm. bullpen has been sneaky good with, yeah, Soto's been, you know, kind of him, his Jekyll and Hyde self, but Jimenez has been great. You know, Alex Lang's had some good, you know, has shown some good things. You know, Chafin's been good. Um, I wonder what the Tigers plan is for next year and, if perhaps you know Jimenez will be going into a final year of his contract, and if they were ever to consider moving him, I, I, which I probably think they should, like they, they could probably get a nice, you know, a nice, you know, package back for for Joe Jimenez. Yeah, because he's still only twenty seven. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, career high strikeout rate, career low walk rate. That's a pretty good combination. Yeah, love to see that when uh, when talking about really or any pitchers, but relievers definitely. Hmm. In Cincinnati, the only good reliever in the entire bullpen, Alexis Diaz, the younger brother of Edwin Diaz, has been great pretty much all season long, and he's been just super solid in the second half. He should be the clear cut, clear cut closer. I always struggle with that one. Clear cut <laughs> closer in that's a tongue twister. In uh, in Cincinnati next year, he should be the main guy out there. Just he's been so dominant all year. He gets a lot of sw- swinging strikes. He throws the ball hard. He induces hard contact. He just gives up a lot of fl- too many fly balls. But yeah. you know that's something you can work around. And he's just been really solid all year, and just doesn't have much competition. Yeah, I. I- I mean, it'd be fun to see, um, especially for, I was thinking about like the world baseball classic. If, you know, if you get both of these, if you get the Diaz brothers, you know, pitching the eighth and ninth for them, that would be pretty electric. That would Um, be sick. But yeah, he's, I mean, 18.8% swinging strike rate, um, 33.2% K rate, ERA under two, whip under one. Yeah. Like it's everything you like to see. And hopefully the Reds just, you know, go with him as their closer and they don't get, you know, to, they don't try to, you know, keep his um, arbitration numbers down or they, you know, bring in someone like Hunter Strickland to close out games next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That'd be frustrating. So yeah, uh, hopefully he's in the closest role for good now. Um, 
there's yeah I, I don't he's obviously not as not as good as his brother but the fastball uh-huh. slider combination is still you know one of the better better duos in uh in baseball for sure yeah he's been uh really good in the second half he's improved basically across the board but We've been talking a lot about strikeouts and walks because it's so important, but that's basically the biggest difference you can see for him. He's bumped up his mm-hmm. strikeout rate from 30.7% to 38.2% in 18 innings in the second half, and he's dropped his walk rate from 14.3% to 8.8%. So <clears throat> that's a 13-point increase in strikeout minus walk percentage, which is exactly what you want to see. Yeah, yeah, that's if he can stay there, I mean, that's pushing elite territory yeah yes would love to see a couple elite brothers in the bullpen in the (laughs) national league that would be super sick yeah but uh yeah another guy who's had a lot of potential all throughout his career is hunter harvey he's on the washington nationals now and they sort of don't really have too many notable bullpen arms so he's sort of got a path to taking over the closer role at some point especially if he continues his incredible second half how have you been feeling about him I really haven't really noticed that he's been so good this year yeah neither had I until somewhat recently and I didn't realize he's had he's up to 24 innings on the year that's Mm -hmm. a little bit surprising but he's been pitching well he's staying healthy he's uh he's 30 31% strikeout rate which like okay that's great to see you know, whips only whip at one two point six three ERA. Um, the fastball velocity is probably the biggest thing, considering all the injuries. But he's been averaging ninety eight point one one miles per hour on his fastball, which is you know great to see that being sustained over twenty four innings this season. And you know, it's always been with him; it's always been health. It's always been just staying on the field. So, uh, so far, so good, and. Yeah, like we talk, you talk about what the the options for the Nationals when it comes to close, you know, get closing out games. He's probably he's definitely got better, you know, overall stuff than Kyle Finnegan. So mm-hmm. I feel like over time, as long as he stays healthy, there could be he, he could move into that role. I don't know, but I don't know about this year, but you know, if we look into next year, uh, as long as he, they keep him and he's healthy, then you know maybe he starts the year off as their closer. My only reservations about him going into next season, especially, is that he literally is a one pitch pitcher. He throws his fastball 75% of the time, which is not like a recent phenomenon either. He's like never had a secondary pitch. It's like a a splitter slash changeup, which is hard for StatCast to define the difference between the two. And he sometimes throws a curveball, but 75% fastball is pretty hard to rely on i mean it's just if, if everybody knows what's coming but he's got a really good fastball it's just it, there i have some reservations because he only has that one pitch yeah i i know looking at it now it's like splitter eight percent change up seven yeah curveball six percent it's a bit of a weird repertoire but maybe yeah i i you gotta think that this might be him just trying to stay stay healthy maybe not throwing a ton of breaking stuff but he's gonna have to yeah he's gonna have to develop something some sort of secondary to to stay locked in it's it's really hard there's some you know it, it happens with lefties like Colin Poche throws his fastball like 90% of the time Sean Doolittle used to they've gotten away with it Jake McKee but 
Yeah, it's it's really it's really hard to just have that one pitch to have one pitch as a even as a reliever. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, we've got a few more second half risers, and then we're going to hit our fallers as well. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. Welcome back to the In the Pen podcast. My name is Jake Crumpler. As always, I'm joined by Rick Graham. We are covering second half risers and fallers. Right now, we're finishing up the risers half of the list. We've got just a few guys left to uh, hit. And there's a, a couple setup guys that I put in there because they've just been really solid all year long, but also they, they've sort of had the roller coaster year, uh, especially for AJ Minter, who I wrote up a little bit in one of my reliever ranks recently. He started the season off incredibly well, where he was just like, he had like the lowest ERA in baseball, that kind of stuff. He was just absolutely killing it. And then he really fell on hard times. I'm trying to uh, find the blurb I had about him. Here it is. He, uh, he had a rough patch from the middle of June to the end of July, during which he pitched to a 6.14 ERA across 14 and two-thirds innings pitched. And then he recaptured his early season form in August and has only allowed one run in 14 outings with a, comes out to a 0.69 ERA across 13 innings with a 20 to 3 strikeout to walk ratio. So if you had any doubts about how good his first half was and if he was going to be able to keep it up, and especially when he started, you know, to fall off a cliff a little bit, he's really righted the ship and he's once again looking like that dominant reliever. Yeah, I I had a little bit of a concern just given his past and how it's been a roller coaster, but um, you know, once he started struggling back in July and He's definitely turned things around here in August. He had a little bit of a rough outing the other day, but other than that, his August has been, you know, awesome. So, yeah, it's, you know, another guy kind of like Joe Jimenez who had a lot of hype as a, you know, relief prospect kind of and took him a while, but now he seems to be locked in. You know, the walk rates, the strikeout to walk rate is awesome. 34.3% K rate, 4.6% walk rate. Love to see it. Wow. Um, yeah, he's, he's, you know, that bullpen doesn't need any more help that doesn't need, they're, they're, they're locked to talk about the Mariners bullpen, the Braves bullpen has a bunch of veterans, but they're all really, really good. So, you know, Minter's just another one of those, those options that they can roll out and, you know, expect to expect him to put up a zero. Yeah. The same can be said for Adam Adovino sticking in the NL East. He's been, one of the best setup men in baseball. And it's sort of been somewhat quietly. Like he's got a 2.05 ERA and he's improved that in the second half. I think it's, it looks like in the second half, he's got a 1.06 ERA across 17 innings. That's since the all-star break, pretty impressive. He's uh, got a 22 to four strikeout to walk ratio during that time as well. And it just seems like he's, Back to his old ways. He hasn't been this good since 2019 huh. with the Yankees where he had a 1.90 ERA. He's basically doing that same thing now. But what I noticed the most when I was trying to find some guys for this is that he's reverted back to his Colorado days of not giving up free passes. Yeah. Like over the past five seasons before this year, he was well over 10% every single year, except for 2020 when he was at 10.6%. But all the other years, he was at least 1.5% over a 10% walk rate, which is sort of hard to work around because you're just giving up too many free passes. It's hard to be successful when you're putting guys on base all the time. But now he's got that down to 6.7%, which is 
he's cut it in half from last year in Boston where he really struggled. So it, it's pretty cool to see him back on top. He's, he's striking out a lot of guys, 30% strikeout rate. So he, he's been doing exactly what you want to see. And it, it's perfect for a, a Mets bullpen that like now doesn't have to think about the eighth and ninth inning anymore. Cause it's just like, once you get Ottavino mm-hmm. out there, like I, I wrote in my reliever ranks yesterday, cause they, they went with uh, their whole pitching staff for the day was DeGrom to, Ottavino to Diaz and I was like that is not fair yeah that's that's gonna be a problem in, uh, in October for I mean even if like Seth Lugo is pitching well like or Trevor mm-hmm. May like those guys get get it going that's there's a lot of uh, options that that bullpen has as well and yeah it's great to, I think with Ottavino it's just trusting his stuff again and mm-hmm I think he was trying to be a little bit too 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 cute at times you know trying to get a lot of chases and where you know your stuff's just so good his stuff's so good his slider sinker like from a just a movement standpoint and you know you don't need to necessarily get a ton of um you know chases out of the zone just you know be around the zone a little bit more so you see that walk rate come down but you know his his csw you know this 33.6 percent really that's up there in the top 25 amongst pitchers and it's not because he's getting a ton of swing and strikes his swing and strike rates only at 12.5 percent so he's getting a ton of called strikes and i think that's just him you know trusting his stuff and trying to be around the zone a little bit more which you know he with what he with his repertoire he's able to do that successfully mm-hmm. you're right about the the movement on that slider is crazy it's the uh got the 10th most horizontal movement according to his pitcherless player page at 9.3 X move. I don't know <laughs> what that, uh, what the units are for, for those stats. I always have been trying to figure it out. Definitely not feet. It's a, and it's it's, a lot of movement. It's, yeah, <laughs> definitely the 10th best, yes. which is probably a better way to put it than saying 9.3. But yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely got some great stuff, even though he doesn't throw like incredibly hard, like other guys in the bullpen, like Edwin Diaz. Did you see he threw 103 miles yeah. per hour today? It's yeah. cool. <laughs> Good luck, Where'd Gavin Lux. From? Yeah, I know. I know. But... That's, uh, that's not fair. That's really not fair. He talked to Jacob DeGrom, and DeGrom was just like, oh, yeah, just throw it harder. <laughs> it's... It's like, oh, I never even thought about that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be unfair out there in New York. It's going to be an exciting playoff atmosphere, definitely in Queens. Mm. Uh, uh, the last two or three guys that we've got in the second half risers are Brock Burke and Matt Moore in Texas where Brock Burke has just been so good all season. He was one of the early guys that everybody identified as some guy who had added velocity to his fastball compared to previous seasons. And that was because he transitioned from being a starter into being a reliever. And it has really paid off. He has the lowest ERA among anybody with at least 60 innings pitch. It's at 1.57. He's been, I think he's got the most innings among soul relievers so he's just been lights out all season it's not like his stuff is super crazy or that he has any underlying metrics that stand out to you but he's just been getting the job done all season long he hasn't slowed down one bit but the exact numbers on his fastball in 2019 the last time he pitched in majors he had a 92 mile per hour fastball this year 95 miles per hour it's been uh pretty impressive yeah to do that and it's just like uh, yeah i mean he he must just have like deception or something because it, i if you look at his as at his stuff on his player page on pitcher list it's it's hard to find anything that stands out other than the increase in velocity 
Yeah, I've, that's I've always been, or I guess this year it's been tough trying to figure figure him out because, yeah, there's the underlying stats, the X stats don't exactly point to this big breakout, but he's just been you know able to get a good amount of strikeouts. He's limiting the walks, you know, twenty seven percent strikeout rate. I would expect more than a you know an eleven point three percent swinging strike rate or a twenty eight point eight percent CSW to go along with that, but you know it's also helps from a fantasy perspective that he's first in innings pitch for relievers at sixty eight point two innings pitch. So you're getting more strikeouts from the innings pitched and just the usage, and that also helps when his WHIP and ERA are one point five seven and one. And he's got a WHIP of one, so. Yeah, when, when you're getting that out of six, 68.2 innings, he's definitely a weapon to to have rostered. And yeah, I don't know. Probably, I don't. I, I don't know. I have to dive a little bit more into it, but I don't. I feel like there might be some regression coming next season. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But you know, it's great. Yeah, it's great to see the the fastball velocity up to 95. That's from especially from the left side. That's uh, that's not really anything to uh to joke about. Yeah, not something to scoff at. Mm. Matt Moore is sort of the same way, though, in that he's also increased his fastball velocity one and a half miles per hour, but then he's got better underlying metrics where he's been getting swinging strikes, he's been inducing soft contact, he's got good expected stats, and he's just been great all season. He sort of gives up too many free passes, and that forces his whip up into the 1.2 range because he walks almost 13% of batters, but he makes up for it by just getting everybody out when they touch the ball. So he's got a 1.95 ERA this season. It's been a a pretty cool renaissance for a guy that was like a top prospect at one point. We've talked about him multiple times this season, but do you have any confidence in him, you know, continuing this for the rest of the season and into next year? Uh, Yeah, it looks like the changes are are for real. It still surprises me that he's only 33 years old. The way I feel like he's been around for so long. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he'll be interesting to see. Uh, I believe I'm not 100% sure, but like pretty sure that he's going to be a free agent right at the end of the year. So Yes. He might be one of the, the better left-handed relievers out there this year, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, he's getting a lot of swings and misses, 15.8% swing and strike rate. Um, you know, XERA at 2.75. So this... this you know, his fastball curveball, you know, duo looks pretty, pretty good. And, you know, as long as his fastball velo doesn't start creeping down, then I, I feel pretty confident in him being, you know, a use, usable option for uh, holds leagues next year as long as he lands in a good spot. Definitely. The last guy we've got is a riser. I wouldn't really consider a riser, but he's definitely somebody who hasn't fallen off, and that's Ryan Helsley. He was probably the biggest breakout from the first half, and I mean, you could sort of say that he's fallen off in the second half, but that's just compared to himself. He's got a 1.88 ERA since the All-Star break, and that's only 14 innings, but that's compared to his .69 ERA in the first half, 39 innings, but He's just been lights out all season, and it's it's been a velocity thing. He's just been throwing harder than he ever has. He's That's a two-mile-per-hour jump over last year on his fastball, and then he's also 
turned his slider into a pitch that he relies on a lot. I think he changed the shape of that pitch because it looks like mm. on his player page, he used to have a cutter that he used all the time. And now it's classified as a slider, which probably has something to do with the movement profile and stuff. But that slider has been lights out as well, a 40 and a half percent CSW. But I think he's going to be one of the most coveted relievers going into next season. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'd love to see the only, really the only thing, the only knock is that he's only has 12 saves, but yeah, you know, you'll take everything else you can get, like everything else looks great. And I really, as long as he stays in the same role, even if it's like a split save role with Gayagos, Ge- I, I, I think you're still looking at a, yeah, a top 12 reliever for, uh, for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's the whip too. He just doesn't yeah. put anybody on base. He doesn't give up hits. Zero point six eight whip, and he also has the second most wins among relievers with nine. That trails only Adam Simber, who I think has twelve or something ridiculous. Yeah, there's but, always uh, one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been like Usmero Petit in the in the past. Yeah. Last year it was like Brent Suter, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not yeah. Right. Definitely. So yeah, Helsley is definitely a guy that I'm going to be excited to draft next year as long as he stays healthy throughout the off season and sort of doesn't let Gallegos yeah. take a bunch of saves from him in this final month. But yeah, those are the, time. yeah, go ahead. Let's see. Yeah, a lot of time, especially when, uh, they're probably be playing in October too. So they got like two months left until, until we see what their bullpen looks like for next year. Definitely. Well. Yeah. 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 I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Considering the usage in the playoffs is going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, now that we've covered a lot of risers or guys that have held on to first half gains, it's time to do the exact opposite and talk about guys who either fell off after a hot first half or just haven't been too great all year. It's mostly guys that fell off after a good first half. And we're going to start with the poster child for that. And that's Josh Hader, who (laughs) we've been talking about all season long. He had like a scoreless streak forever. And then since then, it's just been disaster. Do you... I don't even know what to think about him going into next season. Have you considered that yet? Yeah, that's going to be the biggest, um, I feel like, minimum, maximum. You know, we talk about where guys end up dra- mm-hmm. being drafted. I I think it's going to be all over the place with him, depending on, you know, it's only been, it's tough to say that it's only been one half a year that he's struggled because, you know, going into the season, it's it's he does have he always has had this like second half, like kind of funk. Usually it happens for like a couple weeks in, in August and then he turns it around. This has definitely been longer than what it's, what it usually is. So it's definitely concerning, especially when we, you know, talking about how he's trying to get back to like, you know, the same arm slot that he's used to. And that could, it seems like an easy fix, but that sometimes takes, you know, that could, that could take time. That could, you know, a lot of other things could could happen in between. Then you know, by the time he figures it out, so I don't know. I feel like the Padres are gonna lean on him regardless. Uh, you know, next year, I think, unless he really just like continues to struggle hard the rest of this this season, I feel like the Padres will. You know, they they traded a lot to get him, so they're gonna want him in the closer role next year and hope that he figures it out between now and you know, next March. Definitely. He's been, uh, it's been a tale of two seasons. He had a scoreless streak of 17.2 innings, uh, through June 5th. Since then he's tossed 22 
frames that comes with an 11.45 era mm. he's still striking guys out but <laughs> that's just terrible that last blow up the six and run one oh my god it was just like that was this the climax and he then he came back for a save the other night which was nice to see but it was only because martinez had pitched back-to-back days so it, it's still hard to tell what they're how they're feeling about him in san diego and how he's feeling about his stuff but it's definitely going to be interesting to watch him throughout september and also into the playoffs yeah, his even his the, that save he had the other day, his his command and was not great. There's it, it, still not the you know the dominant Josh Hader that we've you know become used to in the last couple of years. Definitely. Well, another guy that had an incredible first half had one of the lowest whips all season long. That was something that I was noting for a while, and then he's just sort of fallen into not oblivion. He's just like, no, he just doesn't seem to be talked about anymore. And that's Eli Morgan of the Cleveland guardians. Yeah, I know, you know, he's got a great change up. I remember Nick talking about him when he was a starter, like having, having a good change up and Mm -hmm. that's carried over to this season coming out of the bullpen. But, you know, it's kind of where Trevor Stefan's been, you know, climbing up the ladder. It's Morgan's been kind of going the other way and, He's really had a, a, a tough second half. I, I think he's just, you know, his fastball's very, very hittable. It's, you know, 92 miles per hour, fairly straight. So I think hitters have started to make adjustments against him. And, you know, it's great. He still has a, his whip still staying under one, which is great to see. And he, he, it's partially because he really doesn't walk anyone, you know, 4.9% walk rate is uh, is great but you know other than that it's um a little, little bit concerned with and I, with where he might end up in that bullpen from for the rest of this year and starting next year yeah the 4.9 percent walk rate is good other than the fact that he just gives up so many fly balls so he's sort of super mm-hmm. home run prone which has been a bugaboo for him somewhat he has really struggled since June 21st. He has a nine ERA across 18 innings and that has ballooned his ERA up to 4.21, which is doesn't really go along with a 0.9 for a whip, but that's really what happens when you're like a fly ball guy. Like you're not going to give up a lot of hits and you're not going to give up a lot of walks, but the ones that the batters do get a hold of, they are going to leave the park and that has really hurt him this year. Yeah, that's and he's lucky that he's in a not the not the most, you know, hitter friendly park, at least. So he's, you know, that field's able to to mask some of that fly ball issue Mm -hmm. to some of those fly ball issues. But it's still, yeah, it's it's definitely you're going to be, you know, playing with fire when whenever you're letting up that many fly balls. Definitely. In in a similar vein, uh, a guy who has transition from being a starter to being a reliever and who is really good in the first half and has been somewhat mediocre in the second half is Will Crow. He's been the closer in Pittsburgh ever since David Bednar hit the IL and he's been, you know, not as good as he was in the second half. I think he was like a really exciting pitcher. Like I love one of my favorite storylines is just the guy who transitions from being a terrible starter to a dominant reliever. That's always Mm -hmm. a fun thing to see, but he has not been able to hold the gains that he had in the first half. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting that his, his role has is, is shifted, like, pretty, you know, greatly from the beginning of the year where he was their long reliever mm-hmm. 
And I remember like he, when he started getting like, oh, this might he might be a pretty interesting fantasy option is when he was working, you know, two to three innings every outing and you'd go two or three innings, you know, five or six strikeouts and, you know, no runs, no, you know, one or two base runners at most. Um, and now he's transitioned into this like one inning guy where he's been having issues. I don't know if it's I don't know if that's part of it, but I mean, a lot of his metrics are starting to starting to give me doubt about where he, you know, is he going to be a really good, is he going to be a really reliable setup option next year? If that's the role he stays in with Bednar coming back, Um, you know, strike strike to walk ratio is not definitely isn't great. Um, CSW under 30, under 29%. Not a ton, you know. There's not a lot on this on this page that really jumps off. Is like, oh, that's very, that's like intriguing. I want to, you know, I definitely want to learn roster him and learn more about where this is coming from. So, I yeah, is his slider change? You know, he's a slider changeup guy. He throws his four seamer only 16 percent of the time. Um, he still has like that starters mix of four pitches where. So I, I wonder if he's better if he's just better suited to be more of a long inning, you know, come in early in games and little less, you know, lower leverage spots and just, you know, work him in that in that type of role and find find someone else to help set up for uh David Bednar. Definitely. Since June eighteenth, he's gone six outs at least only twice and in that time he has a 5.34 era and a 23 to 12 strikeout to walk ratio which is not ideal yeah that's uh not what you're looking for so i i agree i love the guys that go multiple innings and it sort of lets them rack up strikeouts from a volume perspective which is probably what he needs to do to be fantasy relevant but also probably to be super effective i I, mm. I think they just need bednar back there and it'll probably fix things out they just don't really have anybody else to rely on especially with like their two other best relievers in colin holderman and yari de los santos hitting the il as also well hurt. Yeah. yeah but uh actually th- this is sort of beside the point but did you see robert stevenson landed in pittsburgh i did not that's actually uh ooh, interesting okay yeah i had uh i've seen that there. Yeah, he made his yeah. debut uh, yesterday pitching for the Pirates, and it's uh, pretty interesting because he was a guy that I liked preseason pitching in Colorado, and now he's going to be a full-time reliever outside of Colorado, which is basically <laughs> uh, the best move that you can make. So uh, it, it is, but I don't. Uh, I would rather it be somewhere other than Pittsburgh because I don't know how I feel about them developing pitchers. Exactly, pitchers. yeah. But yeah, but it's interesting. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that for sure. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, definitely not something to act on from a fantasy perspective. Mm. Uh speaking of Pittsburgh, guys that uh they weren't able to develop Clay Holmes of the New York Yankees developed very well in the first half of the 2022 season as well as the second half of the 2021 season and now he's sort of fallen off a little bit whether that be in terms of effectiveness, but also he had an injury that kept him out for the past two weeks. And now he's returned and he's put up a couple scoreless innings and he's probably the guy who's, he's the only guy out there who's basically a trusted reliever that can be used in the, in the ninth. So he seems like he's going to take over the closer role pretty fast, but he's fallen off from looking like the most dominant reliever, one of the most dominant relievers in baseball to looking, uh, 
uh, not invincible. I can't think of the word <laughs> I'm thinking for not invincible. I, I, there is a word I can't think of it right now. My, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I know what you're talking about though. I got yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's been better lately. It's, it's not been against the best, you know, competition with the angels, but, um, you know, I, I hope, I think the re, my issues with him when before he hit the IL was that he was, you know, hitters had just made adjustments. They weren't chasing anything. So, you know, that's just, it just comes down to him making an adjustment, you know, back. And that's basically what baseball is, is hitters making adjustments, then pitchers, and then, you know, goes on. So I, I'm still, I still have some, con- I still have confidence in him. And, you know, the Yankees are going to need to rely on him because the rest of that bullpen is very, very beat up at the moment. So it's going to be interesting to see what, where they use him uh, and how, you know, are they going to be reluctant to put him back into the closer mix right away? They haven't really, they've been struggling as a team, so they really haven't had many chances lately, especially since he came back. But this seems too good. I, I think to, to, you know, not to continue to be the worst team in the American league, which they were in August. So I, I think they turned things around. They're really not bad. They were they had the worst record in uh, the American League in August. Yeah, holy moly! They play in the same league as the A's. I, I, I the A's, the Tigers. I mean, yeah, there's <laughs> that's crazy. So, Yikes! Yeah, I they're struggling, but I just like there's just too much talent there. I feel like, and they're starting to get healthy. They just called up, you know, Oswald Peraza. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get some reinforcements back, and it'll be it'll be nice to see. Even you know, not. You know, as a as a Red Sox fan, I don't really mind anymore because the Red Sox are out of it. So I, I would like to see Clay Holmes from a from a relief, you know, perspective, just kind of get back to his first half um, nastiness and take back the closer role and finish the season strong. Yeah, you're a bullpen guru. You want to see everybody <laughs> succeed, like how Nick yeah. always says. Like he he like say stuff about a starter, but he he wants everyone to be dope, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, everyone to be dope. Exactly. So let hoping for the best for Clay Holmes, not only because he's on my home league fantasy team. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, a guy who has sort of slipped into the un, the ether. I don't. He's in some other universe right now, and he's not even on the roster resource depth chart right now for the St. Louis Cardinals is uh, Genesis Cabrera. (laughs) What happened to him? Did he, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's a guy who's, again, that's like one of the first people I thought of who he's never had great stat cast metrics, but he has like a big fastball. Um, He started off the year like on like very hot I, I remember moving him up into the top 20 of um hold my holds list thinking like all right well maybe he's turning the corner he's starting to get some more swings and misses and then the wheels kind of fell off and here we are and he's not really someone that they rely on anymore which you know he was getting a ton of holds for them earlier on in the season mm-hmm. and it's just they can't they can't trust him anymore so i don't yeah, I don't know. He said he's not on the fan graphs. Did he get no, sent down? No, he got sent I'd... down on the 27th. Oh, yeah, he's okay. in AAA. Yeah, I mean, That's uh, yeah. pretty wild. 13 holds for the season, though. That's uh, I feel crazy. like all of those. I feel like all of those came in the first like 
three, two to three months. <laughs> yeah, That's, it's been been a rough go for him recently. You know, it, yeah, I, I see the the big fastball. He can get it up to ninety seven from the left side, and you know, curveball has some has some potential. It's it gets it gets some swings and misses, but yeah, it's always been command. It's been a command issue with him, and it starts yeah. with that. And yeah, but yeah, thoughts someone who just like had a great first half or good first half, and then just kind of fell off the map. I feel like that's this is kind of the Genesis Cabrera is the 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 uh, the name to go with for this for this category. Definitely, yeah, fallen off massively mm. just since the middle of July, July thirteenth. He's thrown eleven and a third innings in the majors. It's come not only with a three to six strikeout to walk ratio, and no, I'm not saying that backwards. He has three strikeouts and six walks across his last eleven and third. 11 and a third innings. That's an 11.91 ERA because he's allowed 15 earned runs. <laughs> Yikes is uh, basically the definition of whatever he was doing before he got sent down. Yeah, that's that's, that's tough to see because I, I th- th- he's always kind of flashed this potential to be a really good reliever. And yeah, it's just it hasn't come come together like the Cardinals or anyone's really hoped. Definitely. Well, another lefty with uh, the same first initial. Oh, what a transition, Jake. Um, <laughs> Gregory Soto of the Detroit Tigers, who has what he was looking like he was taking a step forward in the sense that in the first half he wasn't walking guys. And that was something that plagued him. We talked about that a few times. I know that mm-hmm. that he was like not walking anybody and was like, oh, wow, like it actually looked like he's good. Like it seemed that he was maybe somebody who was not going to be able to sustain his success from 2021 because he just walked too many guys. And then it finally looked like, Oh, we're finally getting a guy who who's able to control the the ball, like put in the zone. He's not going to have a 1.35 whip like he had in 2021. And then now it's just all reverted back to normal. I wrote him up in my reliever ranks yesterday for the Thursday edition, the September 1st edition. He, uh, he, he tossed 32 pitches in his in his last appearance, which you know already puts him in jeopardy for pitching on Thursday, which is uh, today, the day we're recording this. And uh, it continued a recent trend that he's just like reverted back to his 2021 self, where he just hands out too many free, free passes, and he's paid a large price for it since the beginning of July. He sports a 5.21 ERA across 19 innings with an unsavory—that's the verb of choice or adjective of choice that I used with 16 to 13 strikeout to walk ratio. Not good at all. So I, I could see Chafin or even the previously met, mentioned uh, Joe Jimenez taking over the closer role at some point because Soto just walking too many guys and he's been unsuccessful because of it. And it, it just might be time, even though he's a two time all-star. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's funny. He's kind of like the, He's he's like Genesis Cabrera with better stuff, like slightly yeah. better stuff. He, he a lot of the similar, the same issues with, you know, he's got a great fastball from the left side. Love to see that, but then, yeah, the walk rate, the strikeout rate's not it doesn't really match how how high the walk rate is. Um, yeah, it's he's been another you know, frustrating. Like you know, he just kind of waiting for him to have that big it's yeah i don't he keeps having these all-star seasons somehow but it's it doesn't feel like it you know it's you still want more 
And yeah, Joe Jimenez just got a save, I think, last week or the week recently somewhat. So I wonder if they would, you know, consider a change there. And I don't I don't really know what the few I, I feel like Soto is what he is at this point. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. it's obviously not too late for him to, you know, turn it around and fight, find a way to not walk 12.5 percent batter percent of batters in a season mm-hmm. but it's been pretty consistent with him as far as these numbers go definitely uh we're gonna go with three straight lefties to close out this segment and that'll end with taylor rogers who was one of the best relievers in baseball through the first two months and then he sort of started falling off from may 28th through august 14th which bled into the his time in milwaukee he had a 8.76 era across 24 and two-thirds innings pitch that came with six losses even though he did lock down 11 saves during that time he has sort of righted the ship a little with uh one two three four five six seven and two-thirds scoreless innings pitch no earned runs across his last few outings but yeah he's he definitely struggled in the middle there and it, it looked like I I, mean, I sort of doubted him at the beginning of the season when he was just going off and he looked like one of the best relievers in baseball and seemed like the right time to sell high. And then everything came crashing down. Yeah, he's someone who he's he's kind of the for as far as relievers go, he's the CSW darling, I, I mm-hmm. think, because he gets so many called strikes. He's a he's very he needs to be very, you know, pinpoint with his accuracy and. If he's if he's missing just by a little bit, you know, he his stuff's not good enough to, you know, to leave to leave you know, over the middle of the zone like, you know, some other guys can. So he's really, you know, been fighting it and was fighting it in San Diego and at the beginning of his Milwaukee tenure. But he has been pitching a lot better lately. And, you know, like I think we said at the time of the trade that the Brewers have a way of just kind of taking relievers and turning them into, you know, or taking pitchers and turning them into great relievers. So they kind of, they either they fix him. He's, you know, something's happened there where he's, I think he's figured it out. And I have, I have pretty, pretty high confidence in him for the rest of the season and Milwaukee as their top setup, man, but he's going to hit free agency. And I wonder, I believe, I wonder if, um, you know, is he going to be, is he going to get another chance to close somewhere next year? I think that's going to be interesting to see. That that will be interesting. I could see him going to the Dodgers because everybody mm. goes to the Dodgers, but <laughs> you know, they, they could use some reinforcements out there in the bullpen. And he just seems like a guy where, you know, everybody starts to doubt him and then they get him in Los Angeles at a discount. And then he just becomes the guy that he was in the first half, but for an entirety yeah. entire season. So will be pretty interesting free agency to watch. Yeah, I I think that's yeah, I could see him going to, you know, a contender as in a setup role probably that's probably more likely than seeing him close somewhere else. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, those are the risers and fallers from the second half, guys that we'll be continuing to watch in September to see if you know, the fallers can write the ships if the risers can continue their breakout seasons and what that's going to mean going into the off season and draft season next year. But now it's time to uh, 
talk about which bullpens we're going to be watching the next week or so until our next pod should be getting Callen back for that one. So that will be exciting. If everybody's been uh, missing Callen, he's going to be back next week. So we'll have a three man pod. It's going to be really exciting, but uh, which, which bullpens are you going to be looking out for across the next week? Um, I mean, it's interesting because I think we, we, yeah, we definitely talked about a couple of them and it's still, I want to see the Dodgers, what happens there with mm-hmm. uh, Blake. I believe Blake Trinan still scheduled to come off the, uh, uh, the IL on the second tomorrow or today to yeah, the second of September. So today, mm-hmm. if you're listening on the first day, this podcast comes out. Um, yeah. And you know, does he, what, what role does he have right away? They just bruised our Gratterall, just went back on the IL. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't look like Kimbrell's ready to get back into the saves mix yet. So interesting to see how they, you know, what they do with that, that situation going forward. And then, um, oh, it looks like as of recording this, Jonathan Hernandez is in for the save. Ooh. So Jonathan Hernandez might be back and, <laughs> to the the being the favorite for the saves for the close for for saves in texas so that's uh another bullpen to see if someone kind of like hernandez could just kind of run away with that but yeah that's um you know uh, and other than that it's just the yankees bullpen you know what's mm-hmm. clay holmes status gonna be so yeah that's pretty much all i got cool yeah i think i'll be keeping an eye out on the padres I think yeah. Nick Martinez is the guy right now, but it'll be interesting to see how Hader works in there or if Luis Garcia turns it into more of a committee. It doesn't really look like that right now, but I think everybody expects Hader to retake the role at some point. And then mm-hmm. I think other than that, I'm going to be watching the Cubs, which is probably not going to get me the best results on my fantasy team, but it should be pretty interesting to see if Wick or Hughes takes it over or if they both just share it for the end of the season through the end of the season it'll be something to keep an eye out for and then yeah i totally agree with texas and uh i mean it, it seems like a, a lot of the other bullpens are solidifying after some turmoil in the past couple of weeks so it's uh it's nice to get some clarity finally now that we're ending the season because teams don't i don't think teams like to go into the postseason without knowing who their no. ninth inning guy is so it's like you sort of want to solidify that right now yeah it's not not an ideal strategy for uh playoff teams (laughs) yeah for sure all right well why don't you uh plug your socials or anything you got going on uh sure yeah so find me on twitter at i am rick graham and uh yeah as always just putting out the um you know closing time hold up and save plus hold list each week for picture list and yeah as uh, as always i need to shout out the uh relief ranks team and jake and everyone there does an awesome job with you know keeping you up to date on all of the changes to every bullpen on uh each morning so make sure you look at that every uh every morning yeah it's the final stretch you can Find me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. I also write for Baseball HQ. I do reliever ranks, like Rick said, at PitcherList. And I also sometimes write for theathletesub.org, but I do podcasts over there as well, where you can find that on the website socials. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much going to do it. Do you have any final thoughts or just about done? Uh, That's about it. Yeah, looking forward to next week where we get the three-man pod going and uh, get Kalen back. So yeah, should be fun. 
Yeah, it should be exciting. I'm I'm pumped to get uh, get the boy back in and the yes. o- OG host. I can finally go back to my analyst role. There you go. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot um, smoother. Yeah, being in that role, I I know from experience. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. You just sit back and answer questions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to get used to being a host because I'd never hosted any sort of podcast, but I feel like I've definitely improved immensely oh, over yeah, the past yeah, few pods. Yeah. You, you've been doing a great job. Thank and, you. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. So, but I'm glad that you're, yeah, you'll, you'll be staying with us. So this, me too. Be fun. Me too. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting off season and final month of the season. The postseason is going to be interesting to talk about. That's for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of in the pen. Talk to everyone next week. <laughs>